Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi. Is anyone really surprised the uh, Flames lost last night? You know, this has been the story of the season. Ups and downs on that roller coaster. There they were last night being outdone by the LA Kings. 30th overall in the NHL. Flames finish 1-2-1 against the Kings this year. They get three of a possible eight points in the season series. It's not the end of the world, but it is a missed opportunity in a very tight playoff race when, you know, you don't have a ton of chances to miss opportunities like that. I give the Kings credit. They work. They're structured. They stick with it. But that's another tough game to lose against them this season if you're the Calgary Flames. But my real question is, can we actually be surprised this happened, Mr. Klein? Because we talked about it all day yesterday as something that the Flames need to avoid and something that people were worried about going into this game. And there it was, happening again at Staples Center in Los Angeles. Yeah, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 23 more times. Probably shame on me at this point. Um, I I had kind of thought maybe potentially something might change. No, nothing changed. And to come out that flat in the first period after the last couple days saying, hey, just need to come out with a good start and keep this momentum going. I don't know. I just don't get it. And I understand I should get it by now because they have been this way. I was going to say inconsistent. That's just flat wrong. They've been consistent all season long. It's been the games against uh, the games that we saw against Vancouver and San Jose that have been the the little blips. But this, for the most part, has been the Calgary Flames all season. And I just don't get when you know you're capable of more and you say all the right stuff in the media. What is the disconnect? They, they know what they did last night wasn't good enough. It's not like they said going in, look, if we half-ass it for 20 minutes, I think we got this one. They knew what they were supposed to do, and they just consistently, night after night, don't do it unless they play the Canucks like they did the other night, and then it's okay, look, this is what you're supposed to do. Just do it for the net. We're not even asking for 82 anymore. Do it 24 more times. That's all you have to do. Two months of playing really good hockey gets you into the playoffs and in a pretty cushy spot, and they still can't do that. It is mind-boggling to me it's it's not that mind-boggling to me anymore I just there we talked about it yesterday I, I think your expectations for them are are probably out of whack but not unfair and what I mean by that is yeah I think the bar should be high and I think they have failed to live up to that bar this year but at the same time I don't know how realistic it is to suggest that all of a sudden they're just going to snap their fingers and go on a two-month run because I don't know if they are capable of it. You know, you know, yeah. you, you know how you say, um, you know, we know what they're capable of. We know that they're capable of playing a good game here and there. We know that they're capable of playing good teams tough and and they can put together a couple of 6-2 wins in succession. Like we know that they're capable of that, but we don't know they're capable of doing that over a stretch of time. Because right. they haven't done it, right? So, yeah. so that's like really that two game stretch is the longest they've done it this season. Has there been a long? I know they had long win streaks, but you and I were on the radio together at that time, and neither of us were all that impressed. They just kind of somehow found a way to keep winning during the five game stretch. Yeah, the, yeah. the five game stretch. Like they, they didn't even put together a string of great games in that. So it's really been two games in a row, and that's it, of just really quality hockey from this team at any given point. I, I would say that I have been rather uninspired by Calgary's overall game since the beginning of the calendar year 2020. 
Um, even going back to before the that of the season. No, because they they had actually like I, I'll give them credit. After the Bill Peters fiasco ended, and they put together a seven-game mm. win streak in there, and you know they had a couple of blips, but I would say from about November, mid-November, late November until the beginning of January, end of December, they were playing some pretty good hockey. There were okay. the two pretty bad games there, uh, the 29th and 31st against Chicago and Vancouver, but you know the the game in Edmonton on the 27th. And back to the seven-game win streak, they, they put together about a month of really good hockey where you came in thinking that, all right, maybe this group has figured it out. But since that time, they really haven't. And since after Christmas, this has been a, a, a style of play, a level of play that has very much spoken to what their record is. Their record's around uh, 500 since Christmas, and that's pretty much the type of hockey that they've played. They've had some good games in there. They've had some really frustrating games in there. But more than that, they've just had, like if you were to take a look at their line graph from December 27th to February 12th, it's been pretty, um, it's been like the the flat lines have not been very high. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I, I, I can't really be surprised about what we saw last night in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's very much par, par for the course for this team. And now going into the game against the Ducks tonight, this one was supposed to be the game where there was a bit of a letdown. We talked with Eric DeHatchik at Hockey Central at noon and talking about how some of these players already look a little fatigued in roles that are maybe a, a touch above their pay grade. I don't know what to expect from this Flames team tonight. Um, I'm not necessarily expecting great things, but I really don't know what this team is going to look like tonight or any game moving forward. Yeah. Since uh, since December 27th, since the win, which I think to this day, either that game or maybe Saturdays in Vancouver, the two most complete games the Flames have played all season, since December 27th and that 5-1 shellacking of the Oilers at Rogers Place, mm-hmm. Flames are 9-8-1. Like, that's... That's, that's uh, actually essentially very a 500 team. Just and they've played average. like a, Exactly. They've yeah. played like a 500 team going back to the end of December. And they're going to need to be better than a 500 team going forward. There's no doubt about it. So their their level of play needs to be better. And I know the, the crazy thing about that 9-8-1 is that there was a five-game win streak in there. <laughs> so, right. you know, they. other than that, this has been a fairly... I mean, you can't really... That's kind of cherry-picking to take the five-game winning streak out of there. I guess what I'm saying is that this overall level of play needs to be better. Yeah. Brad Treliving kept... Keep, you know... Uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, but Brad was talking with Ryan Leslie pregame on Sportsnet last night prior to the Flames and the Kings, and Ryan asked him about, does the Hamannick injury, the Geo situation, change the approach of the deadline? And, and Brad gave the familiar refrain of, the team will dictate what we do, in that if they play well enough, we'll go out and give them, a, give them, some, give them some help. If they don't, we probably won't. Well... No, there's six games left until the trade deadline. I'm still open for them to play better and to convince me. I don't make the decisions, newsflash, but convince me that my opinion would be they should go out and, and actively and aggressively buy. There's only six games, though, and, and the further we get to the 24th, the, the less and less opportunity I, I think there's going to be for them to actually win over my opinion. As it stands right now on February 13th, 2020, 
I don't believe the Flames should be a team buying at the deadline. I know that I'm not, I, that's not a universally held opinion. There's lots of people that have a different opinion on it for lots of different reasons, and they're actually really interesting conversations. But for me, what I've seen, this group doesn't look like a team that one player, one rental is going to take them from being this to that. No. One rental probably keeps them as a bubble team, maybe helps them be a little bit more than a bubble team. But that, that to me, like this... From what I've seen, and another example last night, because of how mediocre to average their overall game has been for the better part of a month and a half here, that doesn't really inspire confidence that this is the year to push chips all in at the trade deadline. No, you do that to go from being good to great or from being great to elite. You don't do that to go from being average to good. That, that leads you to some very bad decisions, and that's, again, as we've discussed, that's where the flames would be. If you go out and make a big splash at the deadline, then you are just taking an average team and trying to make them into a good team. This is a team that's still, after back-to-back 6-2 wins and only losing by one last night, the goal differential is still minus 14. This has been a very, it's been a down year for the flames. And I think if you can make anything to make any moves to set you up for the future without just completely exploding things, I think you do that. And then, as we've discussed, I think there's a bigger explosion coming at the uh, end of the season as we head toward the draft. I, um, I gave my power rankings of what I think the Flames should do on overtime last night. A couple of people Ooh. texted this in. So there's three, there's three options. The options would be go by and, and be aggressive, stand pat, or start to think about selling off assets. You know, guys who are not going to be with you next year if you can get something for them. My number one on the power rankings is Stan Pat. Just, you know, maybe a tinkering move here or there, but nothing significant. So Stan Pat or close to it would be one. Number two would be intelligently sell an unrestricted free agent or two, whether it's Hamannick or Brody. Um, and then number three was be aggressive and buy. That's where I am right now. There's six games. I'll say this. Here's, here's my glass half full because the first 10 minutes of the show, a little glass half empty. But here's my glass half full. We talked about this, I think, coming out of the game on Saturday, going into the game against the Sharks. And I had said that urgency, that desperation, that needs to be the norm. You can't do it for every one of the 26 games remaining. Now there's 24, but the, this is the time. You can't do it for every one of the 26 games remaining. But you know, if you can do it for 19 or 20 of the 26 games remaining, then that'll put you in a pretty good stead, and the results will probably take care of themselves. Well, okay, if last night can be one of the five or six that you don't do it, and you come right back on the second half of back-to-back tonight, and you play well... Well, there's your glass half full, and this turns into a really successful road trip. So yeah. it's it's not it's not completely it's, this is not completely an end of the world scenario that they lost last night by any stretch of the imagination. But it's on them to make it so that okay, you had two games on this road trip, really good, one bad one. Give us another really good one tonight, and then come back home and put together some other really good outings. They don't need to all be wins. It's not the record. It's the way they play. And if a, there's six games until the trade deadline, and if so, if you go back to the game against the Canucks, there's nine games. If you can give seven or eight of nine games where they play at a consistent level and they are fairly you know, solid, then I think you can be okay with 
maybe a change in philosophy at the deadline. But we haven't seen that as of yet. Yeah, and I guess glass half full. You you can look at it that way. It's just when I'm just you look trying at the, to give some balance. No, and I I get that. I I understand that. Um, you you look at the broader scale, and it's a bit more difficult. But yes, if if you were if you win tonight, it's six points out of a possible eight on the road trip, and you probably would have taken that going in, even if the the two points that you drop was against the Kings and not the, the team higher up in the standings like Vancouver. But yes, no, I mean you're you're a good performance tonight from having a pretty solid road trip and still some crazy how in the thick of it in the Pacific Division. Well, I think we know how in the Pacific Division. Well, yeah, because everyone else sucks too. Yeah. Well, I mean everybody else is a middle of the pack team. Yeah. You know? basically what it is right uh okay here's what we got on the text line today at 960-960 i know plenty of hockey left but this road trip was my ride or die no reason they couldn't have won all four i'm calling it now the flames aren't miss making and will miss by four to six all because of la that's really glass half empty i just i don't even think there's any water in that glass no no i don't even know if there's glass there um i my one thought is i don't know who's catching them you know like real when you look at it I understand, like, teams are within striking distance. I don't think the Jets are that good. I don't think Minnesota's that good. Nashville might start selling. And the Blackhawks just got shut out on 49 shots by the Canucks last night. So they're not necessarily making me shake in my boots either. So I understand we've been very pessimistic. For, uh, pessimistic. The one team would be Winnipeg. Uh, they, I, I they think have Winnipeg... the cap, cap space now. They can make a couple moves, maybe. But I, I look at that team as just as flawed right now as the, the Flames are. I agree. I don't think that they're a perfect team. But they would be, you know, but that they could also knock out Arizona. They could also knock out Vegas or Edmonton, all those types of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's still lots of hockey to be played, good or bad. Uh, what else we got at 960-960? Uh, I always thought Pat was kidding about his dislike for Ranch. And then I saw Peter's Twitter video yesterday. <laughs> that was also my reaction to the Flames game versus L.A. Oh. Uh, I'm tired of watching this team essentially self-sabotage. It's like they're afraid of success. I'm mentally preparing myself for tree living, blowing up the core in the summer. It's just not working. This, Flames are 3-5 and five since the All-Star break, not playing with urgency. Stars are still underachieving, and they're missing out capitalizing on winnable games versus subpar opponents. Even if they squeeze in, my expectations of them finding consistent effort in round one are next to none. Uh, this reads, reason they won the five-game stretch was goaltending. The only good thing about this season this year is Riddick and Talbot. Other than that, they've been subpar. Uh, what else we got at 960-960? Uh, too many odd man rushes led up by this team and too many neutral zone turnovers by Johnny. On top of that, Monaghan can't convert on numerous chances. You can't blame the rest of the team if those two don't turn their games around. Perhaps time to bench Johnny so he can get a reality check. I, I disagree with that one. I, I think Johnny was actually. I well, mean, there, there are, was, there's a was, lot of turnovers. He was really bad defensively, but he was he's more always, dangerous offensively. He's always going to be really bad defensively. That, that, that's that is going to be a part of his game. That that is part of the Johnny Gaudreau experience. But I think offensively, he's at least balancing it off a little bit now. Last night he did anyway. Yeah, I think the last last little stretch here, he's been all right. Uh, they should be a buyer. Uh, sorry, you should be a buyer at the deadline if you're a true cup contender or if you think you're one to two players away from being one. This team is neither. They should not be giving up any assets unless it's for a hockey trade. Um, what else? I thought the Flames played with more heart last night than in most other losses. They came out flat, but were able to ramp it up. I think they're closer to turning the corner than we think. Tonight will be a statement game. See, there's a glass half full. There pass. you go. 
Um, what else we got here? I think the Flames' problem is they don't have a game-changing superstar. They don't have a McDavid or Crosby or Ovechkin up front. Yes, Gio won the Norris, but I don't think he's a game-changer like Brent Burns or Alex Petrangelo. I think they have lots of solid players in most positions, but they need a game-changer. Well, I don't think you're finding that at the trade deadline. No. Um, after this many years of the coaching carousel, I'm certainly not blaming coaching, but what's your opinion on the constant line shuffling under Jeff Ward? I find it extremely frustrating as it doesn't seem to work. So why continue doing it? I'm with you. I don't know exactly, uh, why the quick trigger finger on so many different line juggles. I think sometimes they could be better served by not doing that. Uh, what else we got? My glass all the way full. Scored rage against the machine tickets on May 5th. If the Flames are also in the playoffs at that time, then it's just a bonus. There you go. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, Kings of the Flames kryptonite. Because of Kachuk, the Kings play harder against the Flames than any other team. It's not indicative of who the Flames could be. And that's glass half full. Uh, what else at 960-960? Johnny is good offensively. Kleiner Cassian has as many goals. Uh, do you care to rebut? Well, I don't know. Like, if, if Johnny had McDavid creating for him, Johnny would have a 1,000. So, yeah, I don't... No, I don't care to rebut, aside from being super snarky. Yeah, really sarcastic. <laughs> uh, disappointing result, but I think last night finally showed missing their top two defensemen. I think that absolutely is accurate. Yes, yeah. They, they looked blue every line bit struggled. Like a, they looked every bit like a team that was missing their top two defensemen. I liked night. one blue liner last night. Brody, that's, that's it. Yeah, Other, that's uh, fine. Otherwise, I thought they struggled. Uh, Shillington was okay, and Yellison came into his own, but they were in third-pairing roles. The three other really important guys, Stone, Hannafin, and Anderson, I thought Stone had a bad all night. night. Stone had a bad night. Few, um, of them, few of them here playing in the top four. Yeah, Yellison, uh, there was a couple plays he made where it's just he's not ready for the speed of the game, but like you said, I think kind of settled in as, as the game went along. Uh, I don't believe he's in the lineup tonight, just seeing some of the, the tweets coming out of Anaheim, but... Yeah, as far as NHL debuts go, there have certainly been worse, but he he, he wasn't the biggest problem for the Flames. I'll put it that way. Uh, What else we got here? Flames will not win with Johnny. The sooner the the Flames get rid of him, the better. They're probably selling low right now, but would still get a bunch. Um, The consistency of this team is the most frustrating part. How many times has this kind of thing happened? Have a solid string of games and then drop an absolute stinker against teams they should beat handily. It happens all the time. They're very consistent in that way. At doing that? Yeah, they have been. Uh, 960-960. Good stuff on the text line. Okay, uh, as we continue along, Pinder and Steinberg's underway. He is Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. It's time to take a look back on last night. It is time for tonight's Game in a Minute. Game in a Minute, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Save up to $15,000 on a cash purchase of the 2019 QX80 or finance starting at 0.99%. Save up to $12,000 on a cash purchase of the 2019 Q60. Good evening, hockey fans, and welcome inside Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, where tonight, Matthew Kachuk and the 29-22-6 Calgary Flames will renew their rivalry with Drew Doughty and the 1933-5 Los Angeles Kings. Here's Kachuk feeding it in front, Backlund shoots and scores! And finally, more than 31 minutes into this hockey game, we've got a goal, it is one to nothing Flames. He moves it near corner, I follow, centers Kopitar, stop and rebound, they score! Here comes Wagner in all alone. Wagner, Deeks, shoots and scores. Austin Wagner scores on a breakaway. And it's 2-1 Kings. Ahead to Brown, who drops McDermott, steps in and shoots and scores. 
and the Kings third unanswered goal in this game. They lead the Flames three to one. Goudreau centers it, Brian throws it in front, and they score! And the Flames have cut the Kings' lead to 3-2. Furt with a slap pass, and now Carter scores! Jeff Carter with a wicked one-timer makes it 4-2 Kings. Goudreau with a shot that's off, Martinez in wide, Lindholm scores! Kopitar will kick it back, and it's lifted up in the air, and down the ice, and right into the empty net. We'll drop the puck one last time, and the final couple of seconds will come off the clock, and the Flames leave two points on the table here in Los Angeles in a game against the last place team in both the Pacific Division and the Western Conference. The Kings come from behind with a 5-3 win. Your game in a minute. Another tough one against the LA Kings if you're the Calgary Flames. Tonight, the Anaheim Ducks. That is an 8 o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, this road trip coming to an end, will be on the air at 7 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Here's what we can tell you about the lineup tonight. Uh, there will be some changes this evening coming in. Sam Bennett and Tobias Reeder coming out up front will be Tobias. Uh, sorry, coming in, Sam Bennett and Brandon Davidson, let's try that again, in Davidson and Bennett, out Yellison and Reeder. That's the way it's looking tonight, plus one other change in net. No surprise there. Cam Talbot gets the start on the second half of the back-to-back. So Bennett comes back in for Reeder, Davidson comes back in for Yellison, and the switch in net, Talbot in for David Riddick. Tune in tomorrow morning and every weekday morning for Full Disclosure with Will Nault, 6.45 a.m. It's brought to you by BMW Motorworks. Tune into to uh, Full Disclosure because it's brought to you by that group. You love your BMW. Give it the attention it deserves. Motorworks is BMW certified technicians and will beat any competitor's quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street Southeast or Google Motorworks Calgary. It's Pinder and Steinberg underway on a game day. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg continues. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It's a Thursday, which means it's time to check in with our buddy Ian McMillan from OddShark.net. He joins us every Thursday at this time on Pinder and Steinberg as we take a look around the sporting world and see if we can get you some value and win you some money. Happy Thursday, Ian. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot, uh, Pat. NBA All-Star Weekend come up, uh, coming up here. Pretty excited for that. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing really well. And I'm curious to get your thought on the Flames and Ducks tonight when it comes to betting. But let's let's get right into NBA All-Star Weekend. Like, uh, apparently this is not when you take a break at Odd Shark because you've got odds on the NBA All-Star game itself. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh Probably out of all the all-star games in all the major leagues, uh, this one would be the one that probably has the most eyes on it, definitely has the most uh, betting opportunities for it as well. Now, there is a line that's out for the actual all-star game itself. It's, of course, Team LeBron against Team Giannis. Uh, Team LeBron's a minus four-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, I wouldn't recommend... Uh, betting on the game itself, uh, just because it's all-star games, guys don't really try. They're just putting on an offensive show. If you are going to, take the underdog uh, with Team Giannis. You can get a plus 165 on the money line. Uh, But what's a little bit more fun to bet on is the Saturday night activities, uh, all the skills competitions. So we also have odds over that. Well, let's get into that. So you've got you've got dunk contest, three-point contest, skills challenge. Where can we find some value there? 
Yeah, so I would definitely say just a general rule of thumb with these kind of competitions, never bet on the favorite because they're just they're such kind of weird niche competitions that there's not you're not going to find a whole lot of value in the favorite. It's usually somewhere someone who's around the middle of the pack in the odds list that ends up winning. Uh, so if we're looking at the dunk contest, the favorite right now is Aaron Gordon. If anyone remembers, I believe it was, what, four or five years ago, him and Zach Levine uh, faced off in probably one of the best uh, dunk competitions uh, of all time. It's got to be up there at least. So he's, he lost that one to Zach Levine, but he's coming in as a favorite this year, plus 135. You also have Derek Jones Jr., plus 150. Dwight Howard's making his return uh, to the gun dunk contest. His, he, he's, uh, he has the least likely odds, plus 450. And then Pat uh, Connaughton, plus 400. He's 4-1. to one. I think that's where the value is. Uh, he's the shooting guard there for the Bucks. He's shown a lot of ability to uh, to dunk the ball. And like I said, you don't want to take a favorite, take someone with a little bit of value. So that's what I like in the dunk contest. Uh, next, we have the skills challenge. Now, I don't really know how someone would handicap that because it's such a weird competition, dribbling, passing, things like that. Um, all the I'm not going to go through the list of, of odds because it's a little bit longer of a list, um, but they're all right around the same. Most people are at around uh, four, four to one. We can take a Toronto Raptor, Pascal Siakam, a plus 450. Uh, so, of course, it might be a little bit biased, but I, I do think there's some value there taking him in the skills challenge. And then finally, the three-point shooting competition. Uh, I think this is like the first time in like 10 or so years or something that I don't think there's a, war, a Golden State Warriors player, obviously with uh, Stephen Clay both hurt. So uh, it's a little bit more wide open this year. The winner last year, Joe Harris, he's surprisingly not the favorite to win this year. So I think that's got to be where the value lies with him. He's plus 450, so you can get him at a little bit better four to, uh, four to one odds. Duncan Robinson is the favorite right now, plus 375. But like I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't bet on the favorite. So why not give uh, Joe Harris a, a shot there, plus 450? He won it last year. Why, why can't he win it again? See, and that, that's a little fun. Like you can you put down, you know, a few few prop bets, few odds on five dollars here, five dollars there. Have a little fun watching the NBA skills competition before the game itself. It uh, makes things pretty interesting. We're with Ian McMillan from OddShark.net, who joins us on Thursdays. Uh, now that we're at the All Star break in the NBA, what's jumping out at you when you start to take a look at NBA championship odds? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the most surprising thing to me in the championship odds, I mean, obviously we have the Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers. They're quite a bit ahead of everyone else. Uh, Lakers are the favorite, plus 225. Bucks right behind them, plus 250. And then Clippers, plus 300. But And I think it's going to be one of the Clippers or the Lakers that come out of the West. I think that's pretty much set in stone for the most part. Where I find the most, uh, the most interesting odds and where you're going to find the most value is which team is going to come out of the East. Uh, we saw what happened with the Bucks last year. I mean, is this their year? Have they improved enough uh, from last year to make that push to the NBA Finals? I don't know if there's a lot of value on them. Also, the second team in the East on the list is the Philadelphia 76ers, which surprises me because we've seen how they've kind of played recently. Uh, there's some rumors of some, some locker room issues. I mean, to be completely honest, they're one of the softest teams in the NBA. I hate the 76ers. They're at 18-1 to 1 right now. The Toronto Raptors, though, or the Miami Heat. Both of those teams are at 22 to 1. The Miami Heat just getting uh, Andre Iguodala. I think that's a huge piece for them to get. The Raptors coming off, I believe that was their biggest win streak there in uh, franchise history. Raptors just won it last year. I mean, of course, they don't have Kawhi, but I mean, they're a very solid team, even without Kawhi Leonard on that roster. So you can get 
the Miami Heat at 22 to 1 or the Raptors at 22 to 1. I think that's the best value when we're looking at NBA yeah. championship odds right now. That is solid value coming out of the East when it comes to the Raptors. They're not the favorites, but if you can get 22 to 1 and that yeah. team's a playoff hardened group, I, I don't know how you don't look at that and even throw down a little money there. Now, what about what about division odds? You've uh, you've also taken a look at that, right? Yeah, so I mean, I'd start off with the most obvious central division. The the Bucks are like minus one hundred thousand or something. So I mean, they basically all locked it up. The Atlantic division is a little bit more interesting. Raptors minus one forty favorite there in that one. I think they do have a little bit of value. Celtics right behind them though, plus one twenty five. Seventy uh, Sixers, and this is part of the reason why I, I don't understand why they're eighteen to one to win the championship. They're eighteen to one to win the championship but they're eight to one to win the division. So, I mean, they're outside of the the division picture. So I guess odds makers think once they get to the playoffs, they're going to be able to turn it on a little bit. Um, I like the Raptors there to win the Atlantic division. If we're looking at the, uh, at the Western conference, a little bit more of a tight race in the divisions, the nuggets minus minus one fifty. the jazz right behind them at plus plus one thirty five. I think the jazz have a little bit of value there to come back and win the Northwest division. And in the Pacific division, the Lakers are minus three fifty. They'll probably close it out there. Uh, in the Pacific Division as well. So that's what you got for odds. I mean, I think the best value if you want to bet on a division winner is going to be the Utah Jazz, a plus 135 to win the Northwest. Okay, uh, we're with Ian McMillan from oddshark.net taking a look at some of the different value plays around the NBA. Now let's focus in on the NHL to wrap up the conversation. The Flames finish off a four-game road trip on the road in Anaheim tonight. I'm curious what you're seeing on that line and uh, some betting insight there. Yeah, so that game's basically set as a pick right now. The Flames are a slight favorite on the road, so they're minus 115. The Ducks are minus 105. I mean, I, I, I don't need to remind you guys about uh, the Flames' recent record in Anaheim. It's not good. I mean, our, our database at Oddshark, it gives you 30 games of history, and in those 30 games it spits out, it's saying the Flames are 2-28 and 28 in their last 30 games in Anaheim. So I don't know if that trend goes back further than that. Our database just only gives us the 30 numbers. Uh, but it's not great for the Flames in Anaheim, and I'm curious as to why. I mean, and they haven't played well recently either. You guys all know this. I do like the Ducks uh, as much as I would hate to go against your guys' Flames tonight. The Ducks is a slight underdog at home. They've been playing well recently, 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10 games, uh, where the Flames are 4-5-1. and one. So I, mean, I think I'm going to bet against uh, your guys' Flames tonight. I three, third game in four nights and and on the yeah. second half of back to back I I can understand why it's a busy Thursday in the NHL anything else that's jumping off the page at you Ian Yeah there are a few underdogs that I do like quite a bit um one of them is the Washington Capitals they are a plus 115 underdog tonight in Colorado I think that I mean that's got to be the game of the night what a what a fantastic matchup that is potential Stanley Cup final matchup in the future um, it does concern me a little bit uh, that the that the Capitals are starting. Brandon Holtby has not had a great season so far this year. But the Capitals are be far beyond the best road team in the NHL this year. They're the most profitable road team if you blindly bet on every Capitals road game every game this season. They're 26-1 and one on the road. So anytime you can take one of the best teams in the league, even though they're going up against the Avalanche, they are the best road team in the league. I have to like them as an underdog in that spot. Uh, they're plus 115. Um, another road underdog that I do like are the New York Islanders. Now, I, I'm not a fan of the Islanders. They're one of my least favorite teams. I think they play a really boring style of hockey to watch. But I do like them against the Predators tonight. I just mentioned how the Capitals are one of the best road teams. The Predators are one of the, best, or one of the worst home teams 
So you're able to get the Islanders there at plus 120. Their style of play is not exciting to watch, um, but it is it is a style that wins games. So I do like them as a road underdog there in Nashville tonight. Great stuff as always, Ian. Good luck tonight. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Take care, Pat, and good luck to anyone who bets. That's Ian McMillan from Oddshark.net. Check him out if you're looking for the latest odds, expert picks, and a whole lot more. He joins us on Thursdays on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Kleiner, i got to bring you in just for a second on that because you got to... So talking to Ian there, mm-hmm. um, Oddshark is the place to go if you want to find this stuff. But, you know, a lot of books right now won't even let you put money on the Bucks to win the uh, to win the Central because of how big of a lead they've got already. <laughs> but shop around. Like, even if you get them at plus 1,000, like, it's free money. Put 20 bucks down. You're not going to win a whole lot, but, like, it's free money, isn't it? Yeah, it is. there's no way that the, the Bucks aren't just winning their division. They currently have a 14-and-a-half game lead over the Pacers. Like, that's they're kind of close to mathematically clinching it. So even if it's just making a, a couple extra bucks, I, I don't mind that. It, but that's, that is, and this is going to super sound like a plug, but that is where Odd Shark um, comes in very handy because you can kind of shop around all in one spot and you can see the different odds in the different spots. So, yeah, I, I like Odd Shark for that. And if you can find anywhere that's taking action on the Bucks, I would highly recommend that. Like, I, if I would shut your sports book down if you're taking money on the Bucks, but hey, if, <laughs> if you're going to give us free money. Yeah. Who are we to say no? The Bucks have got a 14 and a half game lead on the Pacers. Mm-hmm. It's February. Yes. They're not going. So, yeah, there's some free money. Like, if you can do it, hit a parlay, like, Bucks to win the Central and Raptors to win the uh, Atlantic. It's not a guarantee, but I think it's a pretty good bet the, the Raptors are going to win the Atlantic. That's, there's some good money there. Like where your head's at, Steinberg. I don't mind that. Uh, there's some well, value there. And, yeah, there and is. Absolutely. Help, once you parlay it, all of a sudden you're going to go from you know minus 1,000 to maybe you're a little bit closer to making some actual money. <laughs> uh, anywho, Ian joins us every Thursday on the program. It's Flames game day. Calgary and the Anaheim Ducks. It's Cam Talbot getting the starting net for the Flames as expected tonight. Pinder and Steinberg's underway on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Mr. Klein, what do we got today? All right, question number one. Um, I was... Forgot how that ended. Um, I was hard charging guitar. Yeah, that was. I recorded that myself at oh, home. Oh, did That's you? My yeah. own riff. I would pay one hundred ninety dollars at least to l- listen to that. Uh, question number one. What was going to ask this yesterday, and then we we didn't get to uh, three burning questions. I won't do the you tell me. Pardon? Nothing. I was just singing "Rage Against the Machine" under my. Uh, oh, I saw what okay. you were doing there. Yeah, I, I got your joke. Okay, the appreciate Rage that. Against the Machine tickets. Yeah, I got they're, it. They're, yeah, they're, they're expensive. expensive. Um. The Sedine Twins had their jerseys retired last night for the Vancouver Canucks. If you had I to hadn't pick, heard anything about it. Yeah, no, very, very low-key. If you had to pick just one Sedine, which Sedine are you taking for your team? Henrik. Okay. That was a lot quicker than I was anticipating. The center iceman. I, I go with the, I always... Okay. And, and that's no knock on Daniel. They're both unbelievable players. They both won Art Rosses. Uh, but the Henrik won the heart. Henrik was the center iceman, and I just I feel like that that's that's the important crucial position. Not to say that 
having good wingers is a bad thing, but I just think you prioritize the center over the winger in, in most, especially if it's close like that. I always lean towards the center. Okay, that's a great answer. Also, I hope that, because um, we, we both agree that they are Hall of Famers, I hope one gets in one before the other one. I, I, Can you imagine? It doesn't matter to me which one. I just hope one year, all right, Henrik is in, and then in the next year, Daniel gets to go in. I think that would be amazing. Yep, that would be incredible, in fact. It needs to happen. <laughs> Voters, make it so. Yes, yes. The the 10 people who are locked in a room with chance and whatnot. And also, we're uh, electing this player with 85 points uh, who last played in 1971. <laughs> just to, What? Just to piss Pinder off. Yep. Uh, question number two on the topic of the Hall of Fame. The Calgary Flames will be taking on the Anaheim Ducks this evening. Ryan Getzlaff. We talked about him with Eric DeHatchik at Hockey Central at noon. Probably a duck for life. Is he a Hall of Famer? Oh, absolutely gets us okay. a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no doubt about that one. Uh, we're talking about a guy that is going to finish with pretty lofty point totals. Uh, he's going to be close to point per game in his NHL career when it's all said and done. Uh, he's probably going to finish seven, 800 assists when it's all said and done. Uh, he's already over 1,000 games. He'll get to 1,000 points. He's got a Stanley Cup. He's got an Olympic gold medal. He's got a World Junior gold medal. Like, Ryan Getzlaff has been one of the most consistent center icemen in the NHL since he entered this league almost 15 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's to me, a, a no-questions-asked Hall of Famer and, and probably <sighs> number one or number two to ever play in that organization. If you're going to go Solani one, I understand that. It's got to be Getzlaff next. That's not a knock on Korea or, or Perry or anybody else who's played, but... Ryan Getzlaff's going to end up f- spending close to 20 years as a member of the Ducks. He's going to finish with more than 1,000 points. He was part of the group that brought them their only Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's no doubt he's a Hall of Famer. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, just kind of a sub-question to this one. Do you think he's a Duck for life, or do you, do you think we see Getzlaff get dealt at some point? If it's not going to be this year, I don't know when it's going to be. Because... At some point, I just don't know how interested people are going to be in Getzlaff on that contract and bringing him in to help them win. Um, I mean, this year is going to end up being his least productive season in the NHL, as you can understand, A, because of the team he plays for, and B, because of where he is age-wise, 34 years old. I mean, he only got one year left on his contract, so maybe I'll walk that back a little bit. But I think he'll finish off his contract in Anaheim and then make a decision. I think he'll be a duck for life. The only way that I see him not is if he signs elsewhere. I don't think he'll get traded. Okay. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that as well. That would be one where it's weird if he's in another uniform, right? Like he just, he's been with that organization the whole time. He has basically been the face of that organization for most of it post that Stanley Cup run. It would be weird to see him in another jersey. No doubt. It it would be like Mike Medano wearing a Red Wings jersey. Oh, that was weird. Oh, it happened? (laughs) <laughs> Daniel Alfredson wore a Red Wing. Oh, I forgot about that one. Was the Red Wings ruining legacies? In either Brett case, I'm, I'm just kidding. They didn't ruin legacies. Nope. No, they didn't ruin Brett Hull's legacy. He won his only Stanley Cup. There's one of his That's only true. two Stanley Cups there. That's true. He did. I, I walked that back real quick because <laughs> he scored a disputed uh, yes. game-winning goal in a Stanley Cup final as well. But he won a Stanley Cup there. He was pr- still pretty good in Detroit. Fairly prominent role in that one Stanley Cup. Uh, last one Cheater. for you. The Chicago Blackhawks 
with uh, 49 shots against the Vancouver Canucks last night, none of them going in. Uh, quickly, shout out to someone on the text line saying, see, Mike Smith, that's how you play goal on a celebration night. Uh, that's not the question. The oh. real question is, the wow. uh, Chicago Blackhawks losing last night to the Vancouver Canucks, they've lost five in a row. Are the Blackhawks done? Yeah, and I'm curious what, I think they are, and I'm curious what happens now. Not to say that they've got a ton of obvious choices that you would say, watch out, Blackhawks are going to start selling, but I am curious as to what Stan Bowman might do at this trade deadline. You know, there's some interesting players that they could maybe peddle. I'd be curious about Brandon Saad and whether or not they look at seeing if they can get anything for him with only a year left. They probably have to eat some of that salary, but see if they can get anything for him. I wonder about uh, some of their other, you know, we're not talking about them trading away a Kane or a Taves, but I, I wonder about if they can find a taker for one of their other kind of middle-of-the-road players that might be able to slot in in a bottom six role or a third-pairing role elsewhere, you know, whether it's uh, Drake Kajula or... Ryan Carpenter, guys like that who could probably play in a bottom six somewhere, could probably be an upgrade in a bottom six for some teams. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wonder about that. Sod's the really interesting guy for me, though, for Chicago. And yes, I do think they're done. I don't think they're going to uh, end up being heard from all that much when it comes to this playoff conversation. You got a pretty good goalie on an expiring contract. Oh, too. and Robin Lehner, too. Yeah, Lehner, yeah. absolutely. He would be a big-time addition somewhere. The only thing is, it's the one area that never seems to be a huge hit at the trade deadline is goaltenders going that late in the season. It never seems to work out in a really, really good way or Thanks, rarely Ryan, Miller. Ryan Miller's the guy that I'm thinking of. Yeah. St. Louis gave up so much for that guy. Didn't even win a playoff round. Oh, I forgot about that. That up, was like, rough. They gave up a first round pick. I think uh, it was a lot. And you're like, Ugh. now, yeah, they won the they won the Stanley Cup at some point. It had nothing to do with Ryan Miller, but at the <laughs> very least, uh, they did win the Stanley Cup down there. I'm just going to pull up that trade right now. Traded from the Buffalo Sabers with Steve Ott to the Blues for first William round pick, William Carrier, Chris Stewart, pick? Yaroslav Halak, a first and a third. Like that's a lot to give up. No one like Carrier's turned into an an okay role player in in Vegas. Now Stewart is what he is. Yeah. Halak, you can understand why he was being moved. But it's the first and the third that you're yeah. like, just the other stuff doesn't matter. First and a third for a guy that played what? He ended up playing uh, 19 games for the St. Louis Blues and in the regular season, and then they didn't win a playoff round that year either. Yuck. Yeah, six playoff games. Uh, so that would indicate Four no straight losses wins. to the Chicago Blackhawks. Oof. All right. Three for three. Good job. Booyah, That's what I'm talking about. Um, don't forget, Monday mornings, 9 till 10 o'clock, it's the Eric Francis Show. Eric joins Will Nault every Monday, 9 till 10. Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Thoroughbred Racing has an annual economic impact of $399 million and positively affects almost every Alberta community. Learn more at thehorses.com. Flames wrap up a four-game road trip tonight. Another loss to the LA Kings. Pinder. Joins in on Pinder and Steinberg next. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.